Well, hey, everybody. Glad to be with you all. My name is Zach, and I have been on our staff with student ministry for nearly five years. I work out at our Harrison Bridge campus, and today I get to lead us through the next portion of our time together. Um, last time we met, Catherine talked to us about building relationships and that we earn relational capital. In this session, I want to help us think about what it looks like to spend that capital, particularly when we use our relationship to actually lead our students. So we're going to talk about that, and I'll be the first to admit that the content I'm going to share with you today is not original to me. I've learned from mentors who are wiser and uh, more experienced than I am, but I've also seen this um, this content and this uh, stuff played out in multiple experiences with students. And I want to give you some language that's been really helpful for me in leading students, and I trust it'll be stirring for you as we think about leading our students. And so we're going to talk about what I like to call and what I've heard others refer to it as leading your students in three distinct voices. And those three distinct voices are prophet, priest, and king. Now, if you've grown up in church, you've heard those terms before, particularly um, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, um, we had prophets. The prophets essentially represented God to the people of Israel. They took God's word and they delivered it to the people. They spoke on behalf of God. That's what prophets did. They brought truth to bear. And priests, on the other hand, represented um, the people to God. They made sacrifices for the people on uh, on the people's behalf to God. Um, And they stood between God and the people. And that's what priests did. Kings were different in that they ruled on behalf of God. They enforced God's law. They brought justice to bear. Right, And these three offices exist all throughout the Old Testament. We see it played out in multiple arenas. Now in the New Testament, we know that all of these offices are actually fulfilled in perfection by Jesus. He is the ultimate prophet. He is the one who made God's word known to us. He brought the truth. In fact, he embodied the truth. He embodied the word. In fact, uh, John 1 would say that he is even called the word. Right? So he is the ultimate prophet. He's also the ultimate priest. Uh, He was actually sacrificed for us. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the one final sacrifice, and now he is the mediator between man and God. In the same way the priest would mediate on behalf of the people before God, now Jesus does that very same thing in perfection at the right hand of the Father. And then he's also the ultimate king, that all authority is given to him and that he is ruling Um, And that has a different expression now than it will in the coming ages when all evil is finally put to death. But he does function as the ruler of the universe. So he, Jesus, being the prophet, priest, and king, we see him leading his people, especially in the New Testament and the Gospels. We see him in multiple arenas using these three voices. Sometimes he leads as a king where he gives really specific instructions, just tells other people what to do. Other times he leads like a priest, where he is giving others courage. And other times he's leading as a prophet, where he is correcting, or he is speaking the truth. He's bringing the truth to bear on a situation. And there are just a few times where in a single narrative, in a single story, he does all three of those at the same time. And one of those times is when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. 
super famous, really well-known story. I just want to highlight it real quick, just so you can see what I'm talking about in action. You know that Lazarus um, has been dead for uh, a couple days now, and Mary and Martha send for Jesus to come. I'm sorry, I should say Lazarus was sick, and they send for Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha send for Jesus to come, sorry. And Jesus arrives, and Martha comes out to meet Jesus. And Martha's like, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died, right? And you know what Jesus does? He responds that Lazarus will rise again. And if you remember, Martha quickly responds, well, I, I know that he will one day rise in the resurrection with everybody else. And then Jesus doesn't just ignore what she says, doesn't just kind of take it in stride. He chooses to lean in and actually correct her theologically and enters this brief theological discussion where he corrects her thinking. And in this moment, Jesus encapsulates this prophetic voice where he brings truth to bear in a moment, and he actually corrects Martha's thinking, right? Then, a few moments later, he ends up in a conversation with Mary, where Mary comes out, and she actually says the exact same thing that Martha does. She's like, if, if you'd been here, Jesus, you, um, you Lazarus wouldn't be alive. I mean, would be alive, wouldn't be dead. And Jesus doesn't actually correct her this time. Instead, he looks around. And he sees all these people weeping and mourning, and he sees the brokenness of the situation, the death. And he, the Bible says that he's deeply troubled, and he's angry. And then he, he, he ends up weeping, right? And in this moment, Jesus uses a different voice to lead. He uses a priestly voice. In other words, he represents humanity to God. He brings comfort. He brings courage. He brings presence. He brings a sense of humanity to the moment, a sense of presence. And he's leading with a priestly voice in this moment. And then he starts walking towards the grave. He asks people to take him. He tells some people nearby to take him to Lazarus. And then he gives some instructions for the stone to be rolled away. And then Jesus, what does he do? He calls out to Lazarus and tells him to get up and come out. And then after he comes out, he tells some people to take off those stinky rags that are wrapped around Lazarus, right? In like a series of just a few minutes, he's just telling people what to do. Jesus, in this moment, is using his kingly voice to lead other people. He's given rules. He's giving direction. He's telling people very clearly and precisely what to do. And, and this is just a great short story where we see Jesus in three distinct ways, in three distinct voices, leading others. It's the perfect union of all three voices. And for us, as we lead our students, these are the three voices that we must become extremely skilled in using when we lead our students. That we are either giving direction, telling students the truth. We are, I'm sorry, that's giving correction. We are giving direction, meaning that we're telling students what to do, bringing clarity around how to move or we're giving direction. Man, I'm struggling here. Sorry, let me say that all again. There are three voices that we give. We are either giving correction, giving direction, or giving encouragement. Meaning we're infusing students with courage. But here's the problem. None of us are Jesus. None of us are perfect. God has wired us up with a particular leaning towards one of these voices. And that's okay. That's actually really good. That's how God has made us. So some of us, you as I'm already talking, 
you you know that your default is to correct bad thinking. So maybe you find yourself saying phrases similar to, you know, the Bible is really clear about, you know, sexual sin or whatever the topic may be. Or do you realize that when you're complaining, you're actually challenging God's trustworthiness? And do you really believe that God doesn't know or God doesn't care about what you're going through when you're complaining? So that's an attack on the thinking. That is bringing truth to bear. Or something like, if you continue to ignore God, your heart might actually harden. And you, um, and, you, and you may not actually know where your life will take you when your heart is hardened. You know, you're bringing consequences to bear. You're bringing truth to bear in a moment. You are correcting bad thinking. That is a prophetic voice that's correcting. Some of you, though, your default is to tell students what to do. You bring clarity and direction in a moment. You are clear in a moment. You say, you need to break up with that boy or that girl. Or what you need to do right now is you need to go home and you need to confess to your parents what you just told me and what you've been hiding over the last few weeks. Or you know what? You are struggling with laziness and you're falling into sin that you wouldn't be falling out into if you were just out there doing what you're supposed to be. You know, you know, you need to go get a job. Or you need to create a, a game plan for reducing the amount of video games you're playing or the amount of TV you're watching. Like, your clarity and your instructions as a king are creating space for students to move. And that's great. That means that you are likely a king or you have a kingly voice that's natural to you. Now, some of you, it's not either of those. Your default is to listen really well and to say something or in your very presence or in your very demeanor that gives students courage to do the thing that they already know is right. And that you're simply reminding them that you are with them and that they're not alone. Maybe you say things like, I know this is difficult, but what you need to know is that you are not alone. God's promise uh, God's promise to you is that when we lose our lives for his sake, we find real life in him. Or maybe you say something like, I, I will go with you and talk to your parents about this issue. I know it's scary, but I'll be with you. Or maybe you're, you're reminding them that God loves them and, and that because God loves them and is for them, that they don't have to care as much about what other people think about them, right? You're using your voice, you're using your presence, you're using your emotional availability to bring courage to somebody who is struggling, who is fearful maybe, who's apprehensive. Your presence and your support embolden others to follow God. And in a lot of ways, you're making God actually more accessible to these students, which is the exact function of a priest. So maybe that's you. So maybe you're in all of that. You're identifying yourself leaning toward one of these voices more naturally than the other. And that's a really good thing. And what I would argue and what I would say is that you probably will lean towards one of the other. But here's another level to consider. If, if those are three distinct voices that we use to lead others, and Jesus was able to do them perfectly, why is it that he would correct sometimes? Or that Jesus would other times give direction? Or that other times he would give encouragement? The reason is because he used whatever voice was necessary for the listener. The voice he used depended on the needs of the listener, and here's what's really important for us as we're leading students, as we're leading volunteers, is the voice that we use must depend on the needs of the listener more than what is our natural ability. We'll say that again. The voice 
we use must depend on the needs of the listener more than what is natural for us. So here's the thing. If your student is clueless or ignorant or unaware of what the scriptures say or immature or maybe even arrogant, what that student needs is a prophetic voice where someone brings to bear the truth of the scriptures, where bad thinking is corrected, right? Maybe you have a student who is somewhat aimless or wandering or pandering or maybe even obstinate or rebellious. And what that student may need is clear instructions on how to move. Or maybe they know what's right, and maybe they're not fearful of doing what's right, but they just don't know how to apply it or how to move. They feel lost. A king can come in and give clear instructions. Maybe you have a student or a leader or someone you're thinking of who's just discouraged or who's timid or fearful, or maybe they're just tired and weary. And what they need is a priest, is someone who's going to give courage, embolden someone to follow Jesus. See, imagine a student who knows what the Bible says about maybe underage drinking and alcohol use and knows it's not right for her to engage, but fears how her friends will treat her the next time they offer a drink, and she refuses. So what voice do you think someone in that situation needs? Do they need correction? Do they need instruction or direction? No. What that student really needs is encouragement because they know what needs to be done. They're clear on that. They're just, they're, they just need to be encouraged on what it looks like for them to just lean in and trust that God is going to be there with them. They need encouragement. They need boldness. Imagine a student maybe in another scenario who has terrible parents, absent parents, apathetic parents maybe, and this student has unlimited amounts of freedom and is engaged in sexual activity. Now, a student didn't grow up in church, but has recently been attending because a friend invited him. Now, what voice do you think that student needs in his life? Does he need encouragement? Is he timid or tired or fearful? No. Does he need to be told what to do? I would argue that in this moment, that, vo- that student needs the voice of a prophet who's going to help him see clearly from scriptures how his lifestyle does not match up with God's design for him and God's truth about sex. He doesn't need to be told what to do. He doesn't need to be encouraged. What he needs is the truth, right? See, what we have to do is we have to be intentional as we think about those we're leading, thinking about their needs, because every time we are in a leadership conversation with students or volunteers, we will be using one of these voices. We will be either giving direction, giving correction, or giving encouragement. That's a fact. So the more we familiarize ourselves with both our needs and our tendencies and our gifting and familiarizing ourselves with the needs of those we're leading, we can begin to really effectively lead our students with our voice. So here are a couple of questions for us to work through. The first one is this. What is your default voice? Or what do you think is the voice of strength for you? And maybe you don't know. Maybe you can work with your other staff around you to think about what your, what your voice likely is naturally. And the second question for you to think about would be to take an inventory of your students or maybe your leaders 
and think about where they are in their lives and what voice they likely need to be led with given their circumstances. And that's a helpful grid for us to work through as we train our leaders even to lead their own students. So let's talk about those two things and we can come back together and discuss.